Hey, Velocity Church, good morning and happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there. We're gonna celebrate you a little bit here at the beginning of the message. And I found some tweets, I think, that do a pretty good job of describing what it's been like maybe for a lot of our families over the last few months with all the social distancing and, and staying at home. Uh, and so let me, let me read a few of those for you. And maybe these are some that you can relate to. The first one is this. <clears throat> if you see my boys locked outside, mind your business. We're having a fire drill. Hashtag homeschool. Quarantine day six. Went to this restaurant called The Kitchen. You have to gather all the ingredients and make your own meal. I have no clue how this place is still in business. Homeschooling day 14. Wore a bathrobe to a parent-teacher conference. I can relate to that. Quarantine day 18. Did this form of exercise called walking. Tried it outside and experienced something called fresh air and sunlight. Might follow it all up with drinking something called water. Quarantine diary year three. Fiercely fought with the husband over the day of the week. We were both wrong. And finally, uh, this is my favorite one. My kids and I have this fun game we play now where I tell them to go outside and they think I'm going to let them back in before dinner. You know, kind of how it used to be like. Moms and dads, uh, both, I just want to encourage you, if you still are concerned about whether or not you're doing a great job, then you're in a good place. <laughs> that's, that's great that you still care about what's going on, and that's a good thing. And while we finish up this sermon series called New Normal, we've been looking through the New Testament letter to the Colossians from Paul, and we're going to finish up by talking about what it looks like to be a normal Christian family. Paul writes this letter to these Christians who are being pulled in a couple different directions by their past and their former life and also their current life as Christians and what that's supposed to look like, how they're supposed to live out their faith personally within the church and within the family as well. And when it comes to the things that shake up our families or the changes that change everything, the best thing that we can do is to cut through the noise, simplify our schedules, and create space for what truly matters. One of the really interesting things that happens in challenging moments is that while there's change involved, there's also a time period in which truth is revealed. Uh, truths that have really been there all along, they were just a bit easier to ignore with more readily available distractions. And some of the frustrations that we're experiencing with our situation and things that have come to the surface that are less than desirable are opportunities for us to put into practice that which will make our attitudes and actions desirable even when life around us isn't. And Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 through 4 have been the crux for all of this. This is what we've anchored this entire series to where Paul writes, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And this new normal way of thinking for the follower of Jesus then gives a sharp contrast not only for the present life versus the past life, but also for the way that we respond to life when it's lived in less than ideal, if, if not even hostile, environments like the Christians that Paul is writing to. And, and Paul continues in Colossians 3 to describe what this life looks like in further detail. Therefore, he writes, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. 
and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. And this normal way of living that Paul describes throughout his letter for the Christian has in view the personal life, the church life, and the family life. See, our, our family's normal, your family normal, my family normal has the greatest spiritual impact on its members. And Paul is about to give a list of rules for Christian households, similar to lists that he's written in other letters like Ephesians chapter 5 to other congregations to describe what they ought to look like. And to kind of set the stage, uh, there are a couple of important things to note. Uh, one is that the early church met together in homes homes of people in the congregation. And so the force of understanding how intricately the household family dynamics and how that worked uh, was, was interwoven within how the congregational family worked as well and how they worshiped, how they gathered together. There were reflections of that structure and how a church functions. And so it's a powerful metaphor in scripture. In fact, how one's family lives out their faith is, is used as a litmus test for the people that should be emulated within the church. The second is this, the normal conception of family, the Roman nuclear family and how that operated at that time was insufficient to produce the hearts and minds set on things above that Paul is encouraging the Colossians to pursue. Uh, and that's so transformative as a result of the new life Jesus gives. For example, fathers had all the power, they had all the authority, they had all the control. Uh, it's all the way from owning all the property, being able to arrange marriages or divorces for their children, all the way to deciding whether or not one of their newborn children got to live or die. They got to control their wives, they got to control all of the servants, all of the slaves, and they dictated everything from that position of power and authority. Uh, the primary function of the mother was to bear children, to manage the household, and to do whatever she could in proper decorum to advance the family uh, politically. Uh, there wasn't much that she could do on her own. There were some things that could be done to subvert the family rule of the husband. One of those things was to bear between three and four or three or four children of her own and that way she could earn some political independence on her own. The other way is if the rights of authority weren't transferred from her father to her husband and so because she was in her husband's household she wasn't around her father even though she had to obey his wishes whatever they were uh, but her husband didn't have any authority over her, over her and so there were very limited ways that women had much they could do on their own. Children started becoming part of the daily of the family part of the daily family life at age 5 and they really uh, at the age of 7 male children in particular would join their father begin to learn their trade while female children just focused on domestic pursuits the Roman household included slaves and servants, like I mentioned before, but we talked more about that last week with Onesimus and Philemon, so uh, we're not going to talk about that this morning. Fast forward to the modern American family, and we're all over the place. Things have shifted considerably in the last 50 years, and what's lacking the most is stability. And if there's anything that our current reality has revealed to us, it's what's been true all along, and it's that our idea of a normal family existence can't be based on the flurry of activity that we engage in, but instead in the relationships of faith that we cultivate. Because cultivation of something is gonna happen on its own if we're not intentional about it. And the question that we need to ask ourselves and about our families is, are we producing out of what's happening to us or out of how we're approaching life? 
And as Paul gives attention to the family, it's clear that the easiest way to assess in which category a family lands is whether or not there's any significant difference in the dynamics of a Christian household versus a non-Christian household. Growing up for me, there were a lot of shows and movies that I wasn't allowed to watch because my parents didn't want me to be exposed to certain content. Actually, you can find a list of things that they didn't want me to be exposed to earlier in chapter 3 of Colossians. And, you know, sometimes I felt like I was missing out on something because I didn't get to do some of the things my parents, my, my friends were doing. I didn't get to watch some of the things that they were able to watch. And so I missed out on some of this pop culture things. But then... Now that I'm older, I hear stories about kindergartners who are allowed to watch horror films and their parents can't figure out why their, why their kid won't sleep in their own bed at night. Uh, hopefully, as Christians, we're processing those types of decisions a little bit better in a countercultural way. When we don't, when we process those things the way that everybody else does, without any change from Jesus in our life, the thing that will harm our families more than anything else won't be a change that changes everything, but it'll be selfishness. Over time, selfishness wears down and erodes the stability of the family relationship that God intends, and he establishes all the way back uh, in the beginning with the very first man and woman. And while it's detrimental to any relationship, the new normal for these Christian families that Paul is writing to has no room for this type of selfishness. And the approach that we're called to have as Christians is distinctive from the approach of the day. And so Paul writes this, Colossians chapter 3. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Now, verses 18 and 19 go together, and verses 20 and 21 go together. But before we talk about specific responsibilities, let me point out that Paul connects these ideas with two very important important phrases. Uh, First, with what is fitting in the Lord, and also what pleases the Lord. And that's the heart and mind fixed on Jesus' normal approach for our families. Do our schedules, habits, speech, standards, priorities, do our discipleship, worldview, perspective, rules, etc., the list goes on, do they fit in with who Jesus has called us to be? And do our family rhythms please the Lord? A normal Christian family produces a Christ-centered love that's built on mutual responsibility. And everyone has a vital role to play. And I know that some of us are in families in which someone is not holding up their end of the bargain. A spouse, a former spouse, child, someone else that's a part of your family uh, where there isn't maybe even a unity of faith. Uh, That was the case for many of the people Paul was writing to as well. Married, divorced, single, kids, no kids, struck by tragedy. Uh, So this is not so much a list of rules that if you have missing components in that you're less than, Uh, but that Paul is simply building upon the natural and spiritual design of the family, what God has intended, and how those components are meant to work in tandem together. And regardless of your or my nuclear family status, there are principles here that serve us all well. And so we're going to look at each in order and how they're meant to be connected. And the first is verse 18. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Countercultural, a check, uh, and moving on. Next one. All right, just, just kidding. 
Uh, since historically we haven't always gotten this right, uh, this could read like a pretty painful statement, especially since the word submit has taken on more of a sense of letting someone walk all over you. And so I gave a little section here in, in my notes for Renee uh, to write a statement and share uh, with you, and she wrote this. Uh, Rob gave me permission to add a note. I felt it best if I didn't just in case I said the wrong thing. Uh, just, just kidding, that's totally firmly tongue in cheek. Here's the thing, submission does not mean subjugation. So Paul is not talking about wives living in fear, being commanded and forced by their husband who's abusing power and authority, but rather that this imperative to submit is built upon a partnership in which yielding to the husband's responsibility looks like unity and partnership. And that's what it is. And this is built in concert with the next verse. Verse 19, husbands love your wives and do not be harsh with them. In a similar list that Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5, uh, Paul writes that husbands are to love their wives as Christ loves the church. And the contrast from the way that husbands treated their wives then is clear. Jesus had all the power and authority in the world, and yet he sets that aside for the benefit of all of us. And so husbands, our wives should feel safe and secure in their status and position in our homes. Love is selflessness, and its enemy is selfishness. And so the teaching from Jesus in Mark 10 that a husband and wife become one flesh is seen in a relationship of mutual submission in which roles solely based on a power structure, at least how they were built, are now built on a love that casts out fear and that exchanges self-centeredness for mutually beneficial unity. And sometimes uh, when we think we're starting to think we might get this and we get it all figured out, we get maybe a little cocky and decide to throw kids into the mix. And so Paul continues on uh, in verse 20. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Now listen, I know my three kids are worshiping with us this morning, and uh, right now uh, they're hearing this, and this will be a great reminder for them. Uh, your role is to be obedient to your mom and dad. Without this, everything descends into chaos and madness, and every once in a while, we get a glimpse into that. And when your mom and dad are telling you to do something that does not please the Lord, then we can talk about a revolt. But otherwise, practicing obedience now is what sets you up for success down the road. See, children don't need control, they need guidance. And that's what they crave, even if their acting out seems to say otherwise. Another way to say that would be disciple, discipleship. Children are our first ministry. If we succeed at everything else in life and abandon our family in the process, then we've accomplished nothing. And so Paul says in verse 21, fathers do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. And that's not just to fathers, but to mothers as well, although fathers are supposed to be the lead servant. And one of the things that we need to know as we parent and disciple our children is that our children's worth doesn't revolve around them or you. I mean, you can certainly damage their worth by trying to mold them into your image rather into God's or by letting them make the rules or by being one of those sports parents that just because you were never good enough as you wanted to be, don't make your kids miserable and playing a game, uh, trying to live vicariously through them. Roman families, in particular fathers, put the greatest stock in having a son that would carry on the family name and the bloodline. And that's what they cared most about. And, and maybe for us, there, there's some desire of that for our family line to continue, but maybe now it looks more like 
we want our kid to be a great athlete or a great student or get an amazing job that's well-paying or any of the other ways that we push our kids uh, or maybe swinging the pendulum the other way, we let them coast through life, listless with no work ethic or ever learning that they can't have their, their way all the time or that as children, you know, they're too young and inexperienced and ignorant to make decisions about what they do and how they spend their time. But what ought to be normal in our thinking for our children is that we're striving to mold them into God's image. And so whether or not you have a family, this isn't just about the nuclear family. These are principles that are true for the entire family of God, that we're called to be known for our love, uh, to be united uh, by the peace of hearts and minds that are fixed on things above, on Jesus, uh, that we build our relationships up on a mutual responsibility for one another. And this is the normal for us kingdom of God way of living and approaching life. Because here's the thing that we're called to when it, when it comes to the new normal as followers of Jesus. It, it's not normal. It's not our default. But it does fit with how we're designed and wired to be, and it does fit into what we need in this life. And it does lead to a new one. Next time you're facing a a change that changes everything, I pray that as we set our minds on things above and not on earthly things, we'll not be wrapped up in the reaction of the moment, but instead be anchored in the hope of a new normal life that we have in Christ now and in life to come. If, if that's a change that you haven't experienced yet in your life, I want to encourage you to let us know how we can help you take the next step of your faith at velocitychurch.info slash connect. And we would love to walk through that with you, whether it's baptism, whether it's figuring out how to uh, lead a, a godly family, whatever that looks like, we'd love to be there uh, with you and walk through that with you. Right now, like we do every week at Velocity, we're going to share in communion together because uh, this new normal that we gather together, that we share in taking this bread and this juice uh, every Sunday is meant to remind us of that hope that we're anchored to each and every time we, we come together. Let's pray. God, thank you for the changed life that you enable us to have. And God, we ask that you continue to give us wisdom through your Holy Spirit and how that uh, is supposed to look as we live out our day to day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.